Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Happy Church Day. Happy Sunday. That's right. Yeah. Maybe a, a rainy Sunday. You know what? I kind of, I, I was just telling Mark, our kidsman director about this. I, I just, I like the rain. I, mean, I like when I'm inside and enjoying the rain. I can see it and enjoy the sound and enjoy the smells and just appreciate it. Yeah. If yeah. I don't have to go outside. I think I'm, I share that with you. I, I enjoy driving in the rain too. Not around a bunch of California transplants who don't know what, <laughs> what's going on. But well, I don't know that Texans really know what's going on either. They know how to drive in the rain. Uh, we, we have rain. Case in point, what's been going on for the last Doesn't mean hours. they know how to drive in it, buddy. <laughs> no. What you're seeing is a bunch of California transplants with Texas license plates. Oh, is that what it is? Man? Yes. Uh, but yeah, the worst though, I think, is going to your car with an umbrella because when you get to the car, it's like all the hard work that you've done to stay dry. It gets undone because you can't uh, you can't get in the car with the umbrella yeah well you have you do have to get a little wet but you, you avoid most of it yeah most I, of it. I guess i guess and it gives you the ability to not rush to the car because when you rush you tend to you know, it's like, oh there's this puddle i splash myself you and then saunter you, in the rain as yeah you take your time yeah and you make sure you don't step in a big old pool of water so I, I like i like it yeah i like it yeah hey men's bible study was yesterday it was yeah. No one ran away in Nobody the middle did. of the sermon. No one threw anything. Right. I think I'd call that success. That's success. No, it was good. It was a good message. It was uh, out of John chapter 15. It was. So John 15. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was a sermon. Yep. And we had 39 guys there, which was exciting. 39,000 guys. 30. Yep. Yep. That's, That's what, what you said. Meant, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, was, it was great. great. I, I love the fact that we have... Uh, a good number of guys who, who want to be part of it. And I, and I hope we get, I mean, obviously we hope we get more, but right. I hope that, uh, that can, that passion is contagious yeah. and that the men of our church really take seriously the call to, to know the word, to, to love it, to, and to live in light of it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we focused on this past weekend was abiding in the word and, and the importance of abiding in Christ as the, uh, the means to our fruitfulness, right? Yeah. Point number three was a particularly salient. Remind us what that was again. That was that we need to be increasingly growing in Christ likeness. Oh, yeah. See, you didn't think I was going to be able to pull that out. I don't have it word for word, but I was thinking of your sermon, but is that, is that what you're, is that what you said? No, I was talking about the men's Bible study sermon. (laughs) Yeah. I was thinking about yours actually, but that's, that's funny. I'm I'm glad you were paying attention. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. (laughs) I was talking about your sermon. Oh no. Yeah. Well, Hey, we are uh, jumping into Jeremiah chapter 25 and 26. Yeah, we are. And 2 Timothy chapter trace. That's three, Pastor Rod. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to Google it real quick. Yeah, there you go. Hey, in uh, chapter 25, Jeremiah is talking about, as the ESV heading says, 70 years of captivity. But really, this chapter depicts the judgment of God, yes, with Israel first, but eventually everybody else. Uh, in other words, God is laying out what he's going to do to Israel, but he, by no no small uh, measure is this going to be only for Israel. This is going to be for everybody who is going to reject him and miss him ultimately. The cup of the Lord's wrath is going to be uh, talked about 
later on in the chapter, but it opens up in 605 BC um, as uh, the scene unfolds here. And the prophecy here contains the depiction of the, the captivity, the exile, and the reason why in verse four, you've neither listened or inclined your ears to hear, although the Lord persistently sent you all his servants, the prophets. Uh, that's a repeated theme in the book of Jeremiah is that God has, through the prophet, reminded them, hey, I've sent you the prophets and you've ignored them. You've rejected them and you've chosen false prophets instead. Um, note here that uh, Nebuchadnezzar is here referred to as the servant of God. Now, Nebuchadnezzar, we have maybe some warm fuzzies about Nebuchadnezzar because of Rakshak and Benny and uh, the whole scene with the veggie tales in the book of Daniel and growing up and, and thinking about that. And, and so maybe we think we've got a soft spot in our heart for Nebuchadnezzar, but make no mistake, Nebuchadnezzar was a brutal dictator. He was a, a harsh man. Um, in fact, later on, one of the judgments that befalls one of the false prophets is he's going to be taken captive by the Babylonians. And, and it's, it appears to be roasted alive. Okay, so this is this guy is 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 not a kind of benevolent uh, ruler who is coming in inviting the Israelites to come into exile with him to Babylon to improve their lives. Uh, this guy's brutal, and God calls him His servant here, which is one of those uncomfortable reminders of God's sovereignty even over the evil rulers and, and despots in this world that he puts in power as the book of Daniel makes so abundantly clear. And here I, or Jeremiah says he is God's servant to accomplish his purpose. Man, that's, that's hard to swallow, but that would mean then if this is still true, which we obviously believe that it, that it is, that would mean the president Biden, mm. uh, Kim Il-sung, Kim Jong-un, Kim, mm-hmm. I mean, all the Kim family dynasty, uh, the, Putin. Putin, I mean, every, everybody, yep. every, every leader is installed by God and he has purposes. He may not refer to them as his servants necessarily, right. um, but it doesn't change the fact that they are in fact his servants. That's crazy. Yeah. And and when he calls Nebuchadnezzar his servant here, this is not suggesting that he has a personal relationship with Yahweh. Or a saving relationship. Or a saving relationship, right. Rather, he's his servant to accomplish his purpose, his means, his end. In other words, that Nebuchadnezzar, much like Pharaoh, when Paul says God raised up Pharaoh so that he might get glory over him right. uh, in Romans, uh, here you've got Nebuchadnezzar is a pawn in God's hand to accomplish the purpose of the Lord. And the purpose here is that Israel would be taken into captivity. And that captivity, though not all under the reign of Babylon because there would be other nations, mainly Media and Persia, the Medo-Persian Empire that would come in. Uh, And that captivity would last for 70 years. And that picks up in verse 11. Now, that's a a theme that is going to continue multiple times here in Jeremiah. But also, uh, Daniel notices that towards the end of the book of Daniel, which is one of the things that prompts the national prayer of repentance that he offers for the people of Israel because he's aware that God's sovereign plan for his people to bring them back to the the promised land is nearing its, its fulfillment. Are you saying that Daniel was reading the prophet Jeremiah. I'm saying Daniel was reading what we're reading. Crazy. Super we're cool. Reading the same thing Daniel was reading. That's sad. S- super cool. Super cool. But like I said, at the outset of this, this was not just for Israel that the, the punishment was going to come. The, the cup of God's wrath, verse 15, was going to be poured out in all of the nations were going to drink of it. Now, God says, take this in and carry it to all the nations and make them drink it. I went back and forth through commentaries on this. It seems like this is metaphorical. It has to be. I don't think Jeremiah was dispatched on a journey to all of these different nations with a cup going, hey, drink this. God yeah. tells you to drink it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is, is certainly 
certainly metaphorical, but it's it's a metaphor depicting the universal scope of God's judgment that uh, that there's nobody that's going to escape. And certainly, like I said, Babylon was led by a cruel dictator. They they were going to suffer the the punishment for their own rebellion against God. So just because Nebuchadnezzar was considered God's servant, we need to make sure that we don't make the mistake of thinking that God condones the evil or the wickedness that's carried out by those nations, just like what Putin may be doing or what the leader of, of China may be doing or what the, the heads of Hamas may be doing right now. God may be using them to carry out the, the fullness of his plan, but that does not mean he condones or approves of the evil or wickedness that they are doing and their evil and wickedness will be ultimately judged as they're forced to drink the cup of the Lord's wrath, lest, uh, or unless I should say, uh, they repent before that and come to faith in Christ. You did use the word lest. I and that was that was an intentional use. So we were talking about it the yep. other day. Lest how many times you? The reason why though is because you know your ESV, right? And that's why you use that. <laughs> Otherwise, I don't think we'd ever say that, right? But yeah, to your point though, the people that are uh, the, 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 the nations, the world. God, see, God's thinking globally. So often, our our purview, the way that we see the world, is going to be at best our nation. We're thinking about our national health and security, our economic viability. But God's, I mean, he's he's playing four D chess at level one million. Mm. And that's, that's, that's so helpful when we encounter our personal individual issues. We tend to think about ourselves in a vacuum as though that God's not operating uh, in terms of universal implications. When he does something good for us, or even if he allows us to go through pain, it's never without the consideration of how it affects everything else in the universe, yeah. I, I might suggest. Not just, not just our church, not just your family, but everything. God intends to use your life in service to his grand aims. And that, that's going to include a lot of painful situations, just like Israel here, Judah in particular, as they go prepare to go in, uh, to, to captivity. God has purposes and plans. We were just talking about yesterday about the God pruning his people. Mm-hmm. He prunes everybody that bears fruit, that they might bear more fruit. And this is one of those pruning activities. Don't know what the, the nation, the national future for America looks like, but I don't know, man. If, if God were to judge our country, uh, if God were to allow some kind of catastrophe to take place, confident the church would continue to grow, would continue to, to thrive and continue to flourish if she's willing to follow the leadership of the Lord in light of that. Right. He's got plans. Right. Right. And that's, what's so important. The, the church belongs to no nation. Um, and, and the reason we have confidence to say the church will continue no matter what happens is Jesus promised to Peter. Uh, I will build this church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Um, and that's, that puts the church on the offensive, not the defensive. And so we know that the church is going to be here until Christ comes back. Now that doesn't mean that he doesn't remove some churches from the scene. We read about that in revelation two and three, the letters to the churches, I will remove your lampstand unless or lest (laughs) you repent. Um, and so that's something that, that is on my heart for this church, for our church is that we would stay faithful no matter what, because, uh, there's no guarantee that compass Bible church, North Texas will last until Christ comes back. I pray it will, but, uh, we need to be faithful to the mission and the task at hand. Yeah. And, and, and to your point, when we're faithful, that's, that's going to encounter uh, some opposition that's yep. going to create enemies and those enemies aren't going to like what we're doing. In fact, they're going to work hard to oppose us. And that leads us into chapter 26. Yeah. Yeah. And chapter 26 is uh, the, the summation of it for, for you is kind of this question that everybody's wrestling with. What do we do with Jeremiah? And so initially they, they, they take him, they want to arrest him. They, they want to uh, put him to death for what he's doing. Uh, and yet there's a, a divine protection, of course, over Jeremiah's life. And notice it's, it's not just Jeremiah who's doing this jump down to verse 13 
you, you've got, uh, or rather verse 13 is, is the message from Jeremiah. I apologize. Jeremiah is saying, here's my message. Mend your ways and your deeds, obey God's voice. Uh, and the Lord will relent of the disaster that he's pronounced against you. And so Jeremiah is still calling for repentance, even in the face of this opposition, like you were just talking about, he's staying faithful to what God has called him to. He's not letting threats of death derail him for, from his mission. Uh, but even in the face of they, they want to kill him. Look, there's other people echoing this. Look at verse 18, Micah of Moresheth prophesied in the days of Hezekiah, the king of Judah and said to all the people of Judah, thus says the Lord, Zion will be plowed as a field. So even the, the, the residents of Judah are recognizing even in, in spite of, of their reticence to do this, that Jeremiah is not the only one that's prophesied this. This is the prophet Micah. Yeah. The from, prophet Micah. From the book. Right. Exactly. And, uh, and so there's a recognition, at least among some, that this is a message that has been given by multiple people. And you would think, you would think that would cause them to go, maybe we should pay attention to this then. And yet it, it doesn't. The, the, the opposition ratchets up, but God's sovereignty to preserve his prophet, we see in verse 24, the hand of Ahikam or Ahikam, uh, the son of Shaphan was with Jeremiah so that he was not given over to the people to be put to death. So Jeremiah is spared by God through the, the, the hand of this man, Ahikam. And so will it be for all of God's servants. There will be a remnant that God protects. Doesn't mean that all of us will be protected, but uh, suffice it to say that in, in Jeremiah's life, we see an example of someone who remains steadfast, someone who's going to say, you know what, I, I know you're not going to like what I'm saying. And man, I, I, that, that's us. I feel like we yeah. are there. The temptation for you and for I and any of God's messengers is to, in some way, make the message more palatable by, by changing it. Yeah. It's not talking about the character of the messenger. We're talking about compromising the word itself. And Jeremiah doesn't do that to his credit, but it cost him and it's going to cost us. Yeah. And, and in fact, that's a great trans- transition to our New Testament reading in Second Timothy chapter 3. Um, where Paul starts out by listing off what we should expect and really what we are finding in an abundance in our culture and society today. In the last days, there's going to come times of difficulty uh, for who? Well, for those that are going to stay faithful to the task at hand, to to bring the gospel to the, the world around us and to hold fast to the word of God. Why? Because people are going to be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents. Ungr- I mean, this whole litany here, I, I think so often we read these lists about the last days and the last hours. And, and we come to the conclusion, man, this is what we are, are seeing all around us today. And, you know, we're, we're actually going to, you're going to talk about this in community groups this week, because this factors in a little bit to what we're talking about. Our first point to, today at church is going to be about praying for revival for North Texas. Um, and, this is the world that we live and we are under the conviction, not that it's getting better, but getting worse until Christ comes back. So it's this paradox that we're being called to pray for revival, which I think we, we should. In fact, Paul's already written to Timothy in the previous letter. Hey, pray for peace amongst the, the, the rulers so that the gospel can be more fruitful and more effective in, in going forth. And, and yet this is the situation. So there's a balance that we have to find in uh, realizing, man, th- this world is not going to get better until uh, Christ comes back for the church and sets up after that, uh, the, the, the new heavens and the new earth in the future. That's when things get better. Uh, things for the meantime are going to get worse doesn't mean we can't have a positive impact on the world around us. There have been seasons of revival that God has brought to humanity and used the church to bring that about. Right. And I think the uh, point that, 
Paul makes in verse five is that for the kind of people that present these kinds of qualities, to avoid them. Yeah. You're not to, you're not to give yourself over to that kind of company. Bad company corrupts good morals, he'll say in First Corinthians 15. And the idea here is that it's going to be bad before it gets better. And therefore, we ought to be sober-minded, be vigilant, and think back to what he said a couple of chapters ago about having, actually it was, uh, it was yesterday's chapter, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, uh, about having the kind of mindset to be like a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer, to be focused, to be disciplined, and to mm-hmm. be hardworking. Stay at the job, stay at the task, don't let other people distract you. Because the people that he talks about and warns against in chapter three are people that are in the church. Yeah. They have, a, they have an appearance of godliness but they deny its power yeah yeah what do we do well we hold fast to the word and this is one of the the most famous verses or passages i should say two verses about the word of god that we find in scripture in fact it's one that is often quoted as to the uh the authority of the word of god and it's verses 16 and 17 all scripture is breathed out by god uh so we you will hear often the the concept of the the inspiration of scripture and uh, sometimes we'll talk about the writers being inspired to write scripture. Uh, is that is that how we should think about it, Pastor Rod? Or is there a better way or more helpful way to think about the doctrine of inspiration? See, and that depends on what you mean by the word inspired. Uh, often we, we util, utilize that in theological circles because of the technical usage of that word. But the word that we're working with here in, in chapter Three verse sixteen is uh, is breathing out God breathing out the words of Scripture, mm-hmm. and we would probably say more safely that it wasn't the writer that was inspired; it's the writing. Right. Um, there's letters that Paul wrote that we don't have in our Bibles, so Paul probably penned more than the letters that we have in the New Testament, even though largely they're they're his letters that we have mostly. Uh, but not all of them are inspired. And therefore, it's the word that's inspired. We yeah. would say that the word itself is inspired. And what we mean by that is that they are words breathed out by God. Second uh, Peter 3, they're the words, Second uh, uh, Peter 1, rather. Um, they're the words, uh, they're the writers are carried along by the Spirit. And so there's some way that God is creating an end product where he governs the entire process. He superintends the writing, we sometimes say, where he controls the the product and the result, even though it's through the actual pen of Peter. It's through the actual words of Paul. It's preserving their personality, preserving their word usage even. Mm -hmm. But the words are God's words. The end result, the product is the inspired word of God. Inspired meaning breathed out by God. Which makes him... In, in incredibly valuable and useful, which is what Paul's whole point is to Timothy in saying that if that's true, then we need to use God's word for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness um, that the word of that the man of God rather may be complete and equipped for every good work um, for uh, teaching for reproof. So the reproof is the, the rebuke reproof is the, Hey, look, this is God's word showing you where you're out of step with what God wants for your life. It's the confrontation side of things. Then correction is the the positive side of things. It's it's the you've been reproved. Now here's the correction. Here's what you should do instead of what you were doing. Right. And then that all together results in our being trained in righteousness. And so it's it's through the teaching, through the reproof, through the correction, we are being trained in righteousness so that we're ready to do the work that God has us to Amen. do. And the source of that is is the Bible. And that's why that's central to everything that we do at Compass Bible Church. Is that's what the the power is the power is in god's word that has been breathed out by him uh and not in the wisdom of men and so that's why we'll always be preaching god's word yeah fitting that the end of verse 17 says that it, it, the word of god makes a man complete yeah uh, whole it makes him per- perfect in some sense and an imperfect word of god can't produce a complete or perfect man that's another reason why we believe that the word of god is so incredibly important it is infallible it is inerrant and it is complete mm. 
uh, that we might be made complete. Yeah. Yeah. One small note here that is, uh, I, I find entertaining. If you look at verse eight, you'll read the names, uh, Giannis or Jonas in Jambres, uh, there in your Bibles. And you might be thinking, I don't remember those guys. Do I have to say it that way? <laughs> you can say it however you want to say it. I don't, I don't know. Jim and John. Jim and John. Yeah. Um, so who were these guys? Well, it's interesting because uh, the, the the tradition of the early church held that these were the names of two of Pharaoh's magicians that opposed Moses when Moses was doing the, the throw the staff on the ground and it becomes a serpent, strike the Nile and it becomes blood, that these were the names of two of those magicians that Moses opposed. So kind of a fun little tidbit that's thrown in uh, by Paul writing to Timothy here in, in 2 Timothy. Yeah, but you're not going to find that in your Old Testament. No. That's what you're saying, right? right. They're, they're, not, they're not there. Right. But tradition held and then we have every reason to believe that that's accurate. Right, right. So uh, if you're wondering who they are and you're looking up in them in your, your Bible concordance, you're not going to find their, their names listed, there, so, <laughs> but that's okay. Hey, thanks they'll for joining us. They'll take you right back here. <laughs> yeah, they'll take you back here. Yeah, 2 Timothy 3, 8. Oh, man. <laughs> thanks for joining us for another episode and we'll catch you guys, Lord willing, tomorrow for yet another episode, a riveting episode. So good. It's going to be great, guys. Of the Daily Bible Podcast. Don't miss it. Peace. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.